0: The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea Kay. Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay.
1: Good evening and welcome to the Labor Day edition of the Andrea Kay Show. It is Monday night here in San Diego at the studios of KCBQ AM 1170. And it's always Labor Day or not. I don't care if it's a holiday. Especially if it's Labor Day, I should be working, right? Because this is the hardest working show. The Andrea K Show crew, bringing you the show every Monday night from eight to ten p.m. Pacific time, right here. Sharing the hour with me, in addition to all you amazing friends and family out there on Facebook and on Twitter at Andrea K Show, is sitting in tonight for DJ Carrot Sticks. Todd is the backup engineer extraordinaire. Nick, I'm America's
2: favorite second stringer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know what? You're still getting paid, right, baby? Whether you're it's second true. string or first, right? It's true. It's all about the money. That's right. Especially on Labor Day. I know. Yeah. Also, who's working hard tonight to help me break down all the, the top stories of the day? She can work it hard even on a phone line, people. I'm telling you. It's none other than Alicia Dern, Andrea Acacia, Legal Libertarian Analyst. Hey, baby. Hey, you know I can't take
3: Labor Day off. I'm a wage attorney. I don't, uh, I don't like Labor Day. <laughs> I can
1: not celebrate them. Exactly. Come on. man. you got to live it. You got to you got to walk it. Right, Alicia, if you're going to talk it. And we got lots Absolutely. to Yeah, and we got lots to talk about tonight, Alicia. Um one of the reasons why I really wanted you to be a part of the show is because <clears throat> You share many views that I have, but also you have, while even on the issues that we agree on, there's often a little bit of a slight difference because you're, you're libertarian, but oftentimes we completely disagree on some topics. And so I'm actually looking forward to having a great debate with you tonight because there's actually some topics that a lot of people within the Republican party and even conservatives are disagreeing about. Every topic we have tonight, though, whether it's about Hillary or whether it's even about Bergdahl or any of the economic news that we have, every topic, even the Syrian refugees, are all labor-related, Alicia. And there's a reason why they're labor-related for me and why Labor Day is, is about liberty is because everything about us as a society is supposed to be about freedom, especially labor, We're supposed to be enjoying complete freedom economically in this country, religiously, domestically. We're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be free from the tyrants who want to tell us what we're supposed to be paid, how much we're supposed to pay other people, what benefits we're supposed to get, whether or not our religious beliefs are supposed to be checked at the door. You know, so that's really what's at stake, whether it's Labor Day or whether it's Christmas Day or any other holiday or any other day of the year, because we are a country that was founded on freedoms. And I have to say the biggest topic of the day is all about freedom for me, but not about the freedom I think that most people are thinking of. Um, I said on initially that I wasn't really sure where I stood on the Kim Davis story. But when I look at all the top stories of the day, Alicia, and everything that I what the show was about, I have to stand with the U.S. Constitution on every story. Because that's really what it's about for me. It's about liberty. I stand with liberty. I stand with the rule of law. And that's why I stand with Kim Davis. And I said I don't know what her actual beliefs are, but I do know that we have a movement of complete tyranny in this country through an overreaching government, ignoring laws at will, crafting laws at will, completely abandoning the fact that we are a republic of states and we're supposed to have states' rights. We're not supposed to have a centralized government doing everything that it can to try to impose its will on us and transform us into a Marxist society. 80. And the good people out there who truly care about civil rights for all, I'm hoping will wake up and realize that that's really what this is all about. Oh, but it's the law, Andrea. you got to stay focused on the law people are telling me about here. But you know what, Alicia? The law, the law, the law. You know, one of the reasons why I wanted you to be a part of the show is because every political story we have today has a legal ramification of it. And the reason why is it's by design. Because we are Washington and our government system has been taken over by you people, Alicia it's been taken over by the attorneys okay and while i love you and i think you're brilliant you know it's it's created a problem for us because <clears throat> when we have the law that's so complicated and that's part of what reason why so many people are at odds with the story with kim davis is because it's so complicated legally and i think that's part of the design because we're at a point to where we have to start asking where the intersection is between when a law and the laws have become become unlawful because we have a government run by attorneys that are using the court system using their legal expertise as a way to get one over on us as a society and and it's shameful here and it is criminal here in America because we were supposed to be founded on a system of limited government and these laws that everybody's talks about we are we are a society that has respect for laws because we're a respectful nation, but what we're respectful to each other by and large, and and, and we have respect, we're, we're nationalistic, and we have respect for our nation, and we have respect for the rule of law, which is supposed to be the U.S. Constitution. But what's happened is, is that laws are regulations, Alicia, and that means that they are methods of control. But just because something is a law doesn't mean that it's right. And it doesn't necessarily mean that as citizens... That we're obligated, or does it? That's the question of the day. That when we're at the intersection of when law or laws have become unlawful, and our government is overreaching in the form of tyranny with oppression, with laws being used against us in order to gain control over us and transform us into a Marxist state, at what point are we required to be Kim Davis and stand up against it? If the Supreme Court, five rubes in robes, decided, Alicia, that, you know what? It don't, they don't care what's in the U.S. Constitution in regards to the Second Amendment. They are going to find a way, some loophole as ridiculous to me as the privacy clause that they contorted and twisted to justify Roe, came up with an excuse to justify the the complete uh, trampling of the Second Amendment. Is everybody going to give up their guns? That's that's really where, where we're at as a society. I personally think that we all need to stand, be prepared to be Kim Davis because that's really where we're going as a nation. When we have, <clears throat> and I know that when we come back from a break, we're going to take a break in a few minutes and I know that you're going to tell me all the legal reasons why what SCOTUS did was was appropriate and I want to hear every bit of your legal arguments because I'm hoping somebody can make me feel better about what's going on here. About the fact that we have a Supreme Court that does not have the power to rewrite the Constitution but did. That we have a Supreme Court that did not have, that doesn't ha- have... By its own design It's one of the 3 coequal branches It's not supposed to be writing laws in the first place And so because it does it Because it decides to do that Decides to write laws that it's not empowered to do Decides to rewrite the constitution That we as a people are just supposed to go along with it And if we don't You know, it, it, we're we're okay with a woman Being put in jail under those circumstances And I haven't even gotten into the religious aspect yet And, you know But as I've said before One of the reasons why I haven't gotten into the religious aspect yet is because, as I've talked about in the past few weeks, a well-known liberal once said, it's never really about the issue for the left. This isn't about gay marriage. If the people on the left cared so much about gay people, they wouldn't be trying to bring all these refugees here who are Muslims, hardcore Sharia people who were throwing gay people off roofs. And if if the, the gay people themselves were really interested in equal rights, they wouldn't be trying so hard to deny the rights of others. This is about tyranny, and I'm really hoping that everybody is going to start, you know, understanding that. Interesting thing is, as I heard a quote from Madonna's brother. Who would have thought that some real good wisdom would come from that woman's brother who actually said he was disturbed by what happened to Kim Davis, and he said, you know what? I didn't fight for my people to have civil rights so somebody else's could have theirs taken away from them, but that's really what's going on here. Um. Because it's legal, we're supposed to go along with it. I got a quote from Martin Luther King here. He says, we can never forget that everything Adolf Hitler did in Germany was legal and that everything the Hungarian freedom fighters did in Hungary was illegal. So... The use of the laws, the laws, I want to wrap with this, and want to go to a break, and then I want to talk more specifics about the Kim Davis thing. Laws right now in our society are just tools that are being used against us to divide us in a way to amass more and more power to a centralized government to gain control over us. And because it's being done under the rule of law, and us being a society that likes to value laws, we're being told and indoctrinated into a mindset where we even have conservatives that are even agreeing that we should be acquiescing and kowtowing and submitting to unlawful legislation that's being forced on us. When I was a kid growing up, I can remember clearly asking my dad, you know, uh, we were talking about Cuba and we were talking about oppressive societies and the USSR and and everything that was going on. And I said, I don't understand, Daddy. Why don't, you know, there's only so many people in that little country's government and there's only so many people in the military, but there's millions of residents and millions of citizens. Why don't they just overthrow the government? And he tried to get me to understand that what happens over time with a society that it gets um softened it's it's like um it's like con artists call it softening the mark where you massage people and you slowly work them into acquiescence into being laying down um in order to have a con perpetrated on them and then once it happens once they get indoctrinated into it i mean they get lazy and they just they they get submissive and that's really where we're at as a society i want to take a break and we come back we're going to get into some more specifics on this kim davis thing and i know alicia is just biting her tongue to tell me how wrong. I am. I know you are, girl. And I want to hear everything you have to say on the other side of the break. This is the Andrea K. Show on KCBQ AM 1170. Don't change that dial, folks. Everyone's
4: watching to see what you do. Everyone's looking at you. Oh.
0: If you've got questions, we've got answers. AM 1170. The Answer.
1: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help.
4: convenient home style recipes and unique menu favorites sombrero your place for san diego style mexican food Roll tacos california burritos and don't forget your salsa sombrero mexican food we get it too
0: am 1170 the answer and am 1170theanswer.com
1: Welcome back to the Andrea Kay Oh, that's a classic. Get a job. You know what? Well, we're going to be talking a lot about jobs tonight because in particular, there's one job that everybody's hot over, and it's the job of a marriage license clerk in Kentucky named Kim Davis. People are like, do your job, lady. Well, you know what? There's lots of people who say she did her job, and there's lots of people saying she did her job specifically as the law is written in Kentucky and the United States of America, and there's also people saying she did her job by standing up against the unlawful legislation from the Supreme Court and that, uh, that it's our job, our job as citizens to stand up for what's right. And what's right is the United States Constitution and what this country was founded on. And that what she's doing is um, the same type of work, same type of job that was done by Martin Luther King and others. But I know that Alicia Dern thinks I'm quite wrong. So take your best shot, Miss Alicia.
3: Well, uh, here's why I think you're wrong. She uh, is not acting as a private citizen. She's acting as an elected official uh, representing the state of Kentucky. So she's acting as a proxy for the government. And whenever the government doesn't follow the law, uh, and, you know, you're here saying that the Supreme Court didn't follow the law. Well, I'm saying that the Supreme Court has made a decision. They've made a law. That law applies to everybody in the land now. And when when a clerk in the state of Kentucky refuses to obey the law, she is substituting her judgment. Um, for uh, for the Supreme Court for the rest of the country, and um, and that's an oppression on the citizens of Kentucky. So when she took that job, she took an oath of office, and I'll I'll, I'll just bring this a little bit personal. Like when I when I was uh, in the Navy, I took an oath to support the Constitution, and uphold it, to protect the country, and to follow the orders and the law uh, that I was given. You know. President Clinton was a uh, president when I was in the Navy, and I didn't agree with a lot of the stuff that he did, but I didn't have the option to sit there and criticize him and refuse to follow my orders. If I refused to follow my orders, I would have been thrown in jail and pr- prosecuted. She is not protesting as an individual citizen. She is refusing to do her job as an elected official, and she's basically pitting the state of Kentucky against the uh, the federal government. The last time that that happened, we had a civil war. Uh, and it also concerns me whenever uh, the Supreme Court makes a ruling, and the government refuses to go along with the Supreme Court's ruling. Somebody in the government does. You know, uh, well, what one about time, well? One let of me. The well, examples of that is uh, you know the Supreme Court made a ruling uh, with respect to the Cherokee Nation, and, and then President J- uh, Jackson refused to uh, follow what the Supreme Court said, and we ended up with a trial of tears. Well,
1: so, what about, I, what, about what about Dred Scott? What about Dred Scott? Where we had. Uh, we're... That was an awful decision, and we
3: and the, the remedy to that actually ended up being the Civil War. L- but, let you know, me... it wouldn't, but the insurrection came from the people, or the legislature has an opportunity to rewrite the law. The, con- the U.S. Constitution can be amended if you don't agree with this, this, this uh, decision. There are laws that Kentucky can pass to try to get around the decision. There are many other alternatives. To the to somebody just not doing their job as a clerk of the court. I say, I say, as an individual.
1: Okay, well, let let's let me. There's a couple of things that the phones are starting to ring off the hook here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a couple things I want to point out here. Um, <clears throat> she's a government official, a government worker. Okay, so does that mean that no Christian can ever hold public office, and if they do, they're not allowed to um, enjoy the constitutionally protected Freedom of religion. She's, first of all, she's an elected
3: official. Uh, but secondly, uh,
1: I'm talking about elected officials. So no elected okay. official okay. C- can ever be a Christian because unless they're willing to agree to forego their religious beliefs, which are specifically protected under the Constitution.
3: Yeah, I just I disagree with that analysis. So you can be a Christian and be in office, but what you cannot do is impose your Christian beliefs on other people because through the through the power of your office.
1: But how can that's, we have... But that's, but, but that's the separation of church and state. But She's see, but violent. we've got... But see, we, yeah, but okay, but see, then we've got this gay judge in Dallas who's who's refusing to perform traditional marriages. And that person's not in jail. So, you know, part of the issue that people have with Kim it, Davis is that we've got picking and choosing going on. And that's what the, the bigger picture always, issue is. We've got picking... Always- We've got people... There's
3: but see choosing,
1: right uh, when but we can't
3: prosecuted that doesn't make it right. I know, but, but we have to if she's not following the law, it doesn't make it right because somebody else didn't get
1: prosecuted for the same thing. But if we're I looking at problems as a nation but but however, I, I agree with you there. Conservatives I would say are not any saying conservatives in
3: who doesn't follow the, doesn't follow the law. Anybody cons- in office who doesn't follow the law um, needs to if they can't follow the law for for ethical and moral reasons, needs to resign their office. Here's the you know, law, though.
1: Here's the law. I got to interject here. Here's the law. Here's the laws it was written because the, we, the only reason why this country was founded, Alicia, was under f- for freedom of religion. It's why. Here's what we have: Amendment One. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Establishment clause or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or bridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of assemble. I don't need to go on to the rest of that. This oh. is what this is what the law of the land is supposed to be. So there's not. So there is no law that Congress or SCOTUS can come, come up with that can justify her being thrown in jail for religious <laughs> belief. true.
3: That's just not true. So first of all, the First Amendment has been applied to the state for the 14th Amendment. And so she cannot, um, you know, she cannot establish her religion or whatever. But more importantly, the Supreme Court has made a ruling that says that marriage cannot be limited to being between heterosexual couples under the equal protection clause. That is the law of the land, whether you like it or not. And when she refuses to follow the law of the land and she does something unconstitutional by refusing to provide marriage license, she is now doing something unconstitutional. She either has to resign her position or she can be held in a contempt of court. She was sued. She didn't want to do what she, what she was told to do by the court. So that's a civil contempt. That's, right. I get that. that. I, I'm
1: trying sense. to, I get all that. And what I'm trying to do is advance the story because the rule of law is being used to. Purge Christianity and God from society specifically so that they can get Marxism implemented here in this country. That's and this is what this has been my concern from day one. I had log Hadman Republicans on the Andrea e. K. show three years ago. I had Heather Kronk from Get Equal on the show. I said, tell me why. If what you want is equal rights, why don't you want civil unions? Why is that not good enough? She couldn't give me an answer. I said, I'll tell you why it's not good enough, because you guys know that marriage is a religious designation, and this is your your opportunity to pierce that and get to the other side, because your goal is not equal rights. Your goal is to deny people their religious freedoms in this country. Otherwise, you'd be happy with civil unions, because that would give you the same thing my husband and I have, which is a civil contract. The terms and conditions are defined. De- defined by the state that we live in any two people i believe should be able to enter into that well i don't know why anybody the the left is nothing but a bunch of Double standard hypocrites, because the very people that are trying to act as though they're all about freedom and rights are the very people trying to force us to get permission from the government for every aspect of our lives. Why is anybody buying into the notion that we need to ask permission from any government official about marriage? We should never have had this as a as a part of our government. The and the Republican Party blew it here. They should have been fighting to get this out of the the public square from the get go because every Western country that's in, that's gone made same sex marriage. Legal has followed it up with hate speech legislation and every different way that they can to deny people their religious freedoms. And right now we got a pastor, we got a preacher up in Vermont somewhere who's who just was sentenced for a year in prison, Alicia, because he didn't want to perform same-sex marriages, which is his right. He's a private citizen.
3: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I find that disturbing. I, I'm against forcing private citizens to do anything against their will, particularly priests and things like that. That's I, I do agree with you that that's uh, a bomb, an abomination. The problem I have with Kim Davis specifically is that she's taken an oath of office to uphold the laws. She's refusing to do that despite all the justifications that she's come up with. They're just wrong legally, and we have to be, we have to be disciplined. About the law. If we can't be disciplined about the law, then things they 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 become the picking and choosing that is actually the problem. That is the problem that creates tyranny. Well, so got, well, let me
1: inter- let me interrupt you there because it looks like we got some callers waiting, and I know that it looks like I can see the caller lines from here. It looks like Kevin is waiting. He's been waiting patiently. I know he's got a question, and it's probably both of us will need to will need to chime in on. Um, hey, Kevin, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Nikki, got Kevin for me.
6: Hi, Andrea. Hey. Glad to have me.
1: Well, so, I'm, uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that you're calling in tonight. Now, you you were in radio silence for a while because your Democrat Party that you've been working for hasn't allowed you to do any media, right?
6: Huh. Speaking uh, of denial of liberties, that. right? Uh, I won't I won't comment on the uh, nature <laughs> of not being allowed to talk to the press, but I okay. am now. Okay. So um, I, I want to say that you know what I'm about to say is not going to make the Democratic Party happy or the Republican Party happy. Um, I, I think that, as I told you earlier, a uh, Muslim flight attendant from Express Flight was uh, recently suspended because she refused to serve alcohol on a flight. You know this, right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
6: So, I mean, I just think that if we're going to talk about, you know, religious liberty and whether someone should have an accommodation if, you know, their religious liberties or their religious beliefs don't match their job duties, you know, I think we should be consistent here. So if Kim Davis gets a accommodation... I think that uh, this woman, Therese Stanley, should get an accommodation.
1: I actually didn't suggest an accommodation, though. I What I am saying is, is that she did the right thing by standing up against the Supreme Court and against this decision. What I think should have happened is she should have been fired. But what? We can't fire you know, government not, employees. Kevin, that's part of a huge elected, problem that we have. The um, no, yeah, problem here is that she's officials. an elected official. If, you know, I agree with if she were not just an
3: employee, she said I, don't, I personally have a problem with this. And they could assign it to somebody else. I think an accommodation for that makes sense. I actually wrote an article on that that's coming out on Tuesday. Um, but she's not a, she's not an employee in the traditional sense. She's an elected official who's, who is standing for the county in this particular uh, right part of
1: and, and where i stand on that is situation in terms of employment is that i think if i'm if i own a private business i and we're, we're going to talk a, we've got a business segment, segment coming up later and where we've got some ridiculous people from your party kevin to come up with some of the dopiest laws i have heard of in a long time to to you know um tie the hands of employers um but in terms of private enterprise i think i ought to be able to hire who i want and fire who i want for whatever reason if i'm writing the checks well, and um, that means, and that means firing somebody who doesn't want to serve alcohol. You know, to you know, it, it's like I, I was a waitress. You know, and it, when I was in college, if if I decided I didn't want to serve alcohol at some point, I would have been fired. It was part of my job. That's part of the job of the flight attendant. That's what they do. So, but yeah. but and I don't. The, know. And the law
3: is not that strict on I mean, with the religious accommodations, it it can't cause an undue well, hardship. And for an airline, well, that's possibly a hardship where it would be justified.
6: But let's talk well, about I, I, Yes. Okay, so you're saying that uh, this private employer shouldn't have uh, religious liberties or protections from uh, being fired for, you know, act, acting on their religious beliefs. But this elected official says that should well, that's that's completely contradictory to U.S. <laughs> federal law and state law. Title VII specifically includes uh, elected officials. They they do include, however, private employees. So. I mean, it's, it's completely it de- the opposite it- of what you just said.
1: Well, it depends on it depends on the job that they're doing. For example, you know, if, if somebody wants to come and work someplace for me, like I, I one of my banks that I go to, one of my branches, she's the woman there is completely covered. I don't remember if that's called a chador or whatever it is that she's wearing. You know, that's her expression of her religious belief. It's obviously not impacting her ability to do her job. So, you know, yeah, they should hire her and they should accommodate that, and you know, do what they can during the day if somebody wants to t- take their breaks at a certain time so that they. They can do their prayers, but anything that interferes with their ability to do their job, I should have a right as an employer to say whether or not I want to accommodate that. And then, you know, and and by by letting them go, that's not me. They're free to then go someplace else and 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 find a job that accommodates them. That's freedom. Freedom is not one side telling me what I have to do. That's not freedom. That's tyranny. Well, you, easy, want you want freedom. You want freedom. A freedom is the at-will employment situation where I hire who I want, and you decide whether or not you want to work for me. And you can quit anytime you want and go someplace else if you don't like my my shop that I've got here. And I can fire you.
6: Well, well, that's not exactly that's freedom. what freedom. Seven says it under.
1: I don't don't care. care. I'm I'm talking about the way it should be. I'm not. Again, I think that we've got some a lot of laws out there that don't make sense. And too many people want to hide behind laws that don't make sense because it furthers their political agenda, not what's right for this country. And that's the bigger picture issue that I have both
3: sides. I think that's on both sides. I agree with what Kevin just said, which was sort of, you know, you're kind of what you're saying is sort of the opposite, of, you know, and in contradictory. If she's an employee, then the government should be able to fire her because she's refusing to do her job, though she's immune from that because she's an elected official and somehow this is noble for her to, to protest. I mean, again, she's not acting as a private citizen. So it, it, it I, just isn't the same analysis.
1: Well, I, I can see what you're saying in one sense, but let me ask you this. if If people could not, I don't really, I'm not familiar with the counties out there in Kentucky, but my understanding is people can drive 10 minutes away and get a marriage license. Right. Well, let, let so let what you, was she really keeping them? Was she really not doing her job? I think it's yes. I think it depends and on she's not doing her job. Well, and, others well, left, that, yeah. and others Wait, them. I can't hear you guys okay, both guys. at the same time. I don't think what I'm saying is contradictory. I think that I think that she did the right thing by standing up for herself. And I think that an employer then should have the ha, should have the right to say whether or not they want to um, hold off on a break in a couple of minutes. I think that that employer should have the right to fire her whether or not I agree with that to me that's liberty I am arguing for freedom and for liberty for everybody is what I'm saying I'm saying she did the right thing by standing up I'm saying then if if she was in a position to be fired um, and she's not because she's an elected official and I'm talking in a general sense not even necessarily about Kim Davis she's a symptom of the problem for me it's not specific about her that I'm talking about I'm trying to advance it to a bigger picture discussion here I'm not specific to Kim Davis but I guess what I'm saying is Um, religious freedom is being attacked. And I think that we have a nation to where laws are being used to try to gain power over us. And, you know, the American people have a right to stand up to that and say, you know what? I don't, I don't have to honor every law just because, you know, it's, it's a law. Do you see the bigger picture of where I'm trying to go with it?
6: Well, Andre, you just advocated for the just-go-to-the-other-town argument, and uh, that, that was pretty much struck down in 2011, uh, Ezel versus Chicago, when Chicago had a ban on shooting ranges, and uh, they, the um, Ezel, whoever this person is, uh, was told just to go to another town. Uh, the, the court said, no, Chicago, you can't do that. You can't just you know, tell people, to, oh, if you don't want to have your rights, you can just go to another town and obtain your rights there. No, your, your rights follow you wherever you live. So, I mean, yeah. even though, well, even though all the counties can issue uh, marriage licenses to anyone living in the state of Kentucky, it's not fair to make someone drive all the way over to another county where they don't live. And just because you know, one person who it's not, it's also, also not it's also not tax tax fair. It's
1: also not fair to it's also not fair to try to to try to deny somebody else their religious freedoms and try to force your will onto somebody else. Um, for example, let's talk. Let's let you. Let's talk a little bit about some details here. I was trying to advance it, but let's talk more specifically about the situation with her. Let's talk about this judge here. Who, um, first of all, there's there's a legal argument about the fact that uh, the Constitution of Kentucky and the forms there uh, still say one man and one woman, and so there's a lot of legal people out there who say that she she was the only one who's been obeying the law as it was written in the state of uh, of Kentucky. So there's that. There's also Never the law,
6: Trump state law. You know that. I know that. <laughs> well, yeah, it, but see, it's not supposed to Trump way state's way law. It's not
1: supposed to Trump state's law. And that, the very people who want more, like though. though. <laughs> okay. Well, hang on a second. It's no, it's not supposed to trump states law. We are supposed to be a republic of states. Let me read you a quote here that's supposed to be applicable to what's going on here. As James Madison put it, the powers reserved to the, se- to the several states will extend to all objects which, in the ordinary course of affairs, concerns the lives, the liberties and the properties of the people. And so we have, where we have gotten in this country, is we've gotten to where both sides of the people are so comfortable with giving more and more and more powers to pe- five people in robes, or these people in D.C. in Congress, when it's supposed to be about the states. We're not supposed to have the Department of Education. And the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of this and this given more and more and more power to a centralized government. That was the whole point of the states to where these people over here, if this state here like California that passed Proposition 8 and said with a majority of Democrats, we want marriage to be between one man and one woman, that's what should have been the law of the land here in the states. And there not should have been any court of appeals or any s- Supreme Court over willing the people of the state of California. And in fact, talk about lawlessness. Didn't we have an attorney general of the state of California at the time who completely blatantly ignored Proposition 8? So we, yeah. we, we cannot have we time can't time have this discussion about, oh, it's OK for one person to, to violate the law, but nobody else. One of the things I agree with you on, Alicia, is the fact that we cannot be picking and choosing which laws. And that's what got so many people upset about the Kim Davis story is not so much about her and her religious beliefs. It's the bigger picture of the fact that we have. People making laws at will and ignoring laws at will, and and it's all about political agenda.
3: Well, the problem with the states' right argument is that you know I agree that federalism has has way overblown itself from what the original uh, intent of the Constitution was, but that that. Changed 150 years ago when we had the Civil War, and it really changed during the New Deal. And so that we have this whole body of law that has really expanded the role of the federal government. That's why they take way more taxes from us than the state government. So if we want to talk about rolling that back, that's a much bigger discussion than what Kim Davis is doing but see but see, but see and that's, and that's where right I'm now, trying to so look- but, but see that's
1: where I'm trying to take the discussion because it's not just about her and that's why I'm glad that she stood up for what she was doing because it's not just about her little office for me issuing marriage licenses and yes they can go someplace else to do it so why should she be forced to to go uh to adhere to a law that she thinks is unconstitutional um, it you know it's the same thing with the with the, the bakeries it, you know it, it it's what we have going on here is we have one side that says that they're about civil rights when when they're really what they're about is they're about denying the rights of other people. And we were supposed to be founded on religious liberties. I think that every employer should accommodate somebody's religious beliefs as much as they can. But we also can't have this Passed after she became an elected official. She did not take that job knowing she was going to be forced to give marriage licenses to same sex couples. And then when this law came down and she's looking at the law of Kentucky, I think she's I think she's standing up and saying this is unlawful and I'm not going to be forced to participate in it. That's not the same thing as a flight attendant who takes a job to be required to serve alcohol and then decides she doesn't want to do it—to me, that's not the same thing.
6: Well, well, when you take an oath, I mean, you, you're s- swear to uphold the Constitution, and the Constitution, yeah, and the constitution, constitution way, and the, well, the court.
1: Constitution doesn't say anything about marriage for anybody, and the Constitution certainly doesn't. You know, but it says it, something about equal protection, which is what the Obergefell case is,
3: is held on, and you know, I, and. You have to acknowledge, if you're being intellectually honest, that there is an equal-to-protection issue here. Because you are looking at one class of people, men and women, versus another class of people, homosexuals, and you're treating them differently. And you have to ask whether or not that's constitutional under the Equal Protection Clause. That's what that case is about. So it is in the Constitution and to try to say otherwise is not, actu- is not accurate. Well, let me, let, me, let me give you my answer to that. Let me give you
1: my answer to that. First of all, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170 KCBQ. I'm way behind on a break. I'm gonna get- <laughs> Nick is nodding. Let me say this, Nick, then I'm going to take a break. Um, as for equal protection, one of, the, one of the arguments that I have about this is that I don't believe that there's equal protection here. And let me tell you why I don't think that applies. Gay people... Some gay people believe that they were born gay. I know many other people that, that believe that it's a choice and it's a lifestyle choice. The people who have a religious objection to it, Muslims included, by the way, have a belief system. They have an opinion about it. They believe that it's sinful and it's a lifestyle choice. Both sides are armed with nothing but opinion and belief. It is not the same people as the same as the color of somebody's skin or gender. I, so I don't think that the United States government should be coming in and trampling anybody's religious freedoms because they decide um, in the argument of chocolate versus vanilla flavors what's more popular they decide to pick one. And that to me at the heart of this matter to be completely honest with you I do not believe that homosexuals deserve a protected class. It is not settled science that they were born that way and therefore that they, they should be protected for it. There, it. All anybody has on either side is a belief system and I don't want a government deciding to end an argument over you know which TV show to watch
3: well you know and and we're still engaged in the equal protection argument which means that the argument does exist and unfortunately for people who agree with you the Supreme Court disagreed and went the other way
1: and I say and I say that's fine as long as you don't force people to do something against your will like put pastors in jail because they're preaching sermons you know that that homosexuality is a sin or try to force a baker to bake a cake go down the street and get somebody else to do it that's freedom you know, don't say that you want civil rights and that you're all about civil rights when what you really want to do is force people and back and force religious people into a closet you just came out of. No, I and that's why I argued for civil unions, because I believe I actually believe in equal protections for everybody. I think I always argue on the side of liberty for everybody. Um, so, you know, to me, freedom is all about not forcing anybody to do anything. We got this judge, the one who threw her in jail. I'm going to say this, Nick, and then I swear to goodness I'm taking a break. i <laughs> Stay with me, Sugaroo. This same judge um, it has a history here. The judge from Rowan County who put uh, the clerk in, in, uh, in jail, he has on two occasions denied Christian students in Kentucky public schools their First Amendment rights by ordering them to undergo re-education training, promoting the homosexual lifestyle that's against their and it was against their objections and they filed a lawsuit against him. That, to me, is a religious belief and it's being imposed on children. And um, uh, so a number of students objected to being forced to watch uh, propaganda videos that denounced Christian views, opposed, uh, that opposed homosexuality as wrongheaded and proclaimed homosexuality as a safe, healthy, and, and uh, fixed lifestyle. I'm reading an article here if you want to uh, review this from uh, Canada Free Press. Um, to me, that's that's the ultimate intolerance. That's the pot calling the kettle black. They're putting her in jail. The same guys who putting her in jail. It has been forcing his views on other people. That's not liberty, Kevin.
6: Uh, No, I mean, I think that if you disagree with the Supreme Court's ruling, that's fine. You can disagree with it, but you can't just ignore it. If you're an elected official and the court mandates that you carry an order out and you have to do it or resign, that's part of your job. You swear to uphold the Constitution and you disagree with the Supreme Court, then you either have to start, you know, well, well, I initially really but you Supreme have
3: to court. resign your job, and you have to, and you, there are other ways to engage in civil disobedience or to engage
1: in and change. Well, that's, I initially that's, thought that's she scary. should resign, but then they, and then like this other article I read, you know, they completely win because the Supreme Court gets to rewrite a law which they had no right to do, you know, and they force somebody else, a, another Christian, out of a job because this is all about purging, you know, Christianity, you know, in in my opinion. I got to leave it there and take a break before Nick comes over here and wraps my denies me my First Amendment rights by wrapping my face in some tape. Kevin, thanks for calling in. I appreciate right, it. Thanks. Alicia, whoo, we need to take a break, girl. We come back, though. We're going to pick it up on the other side. we got other topics to get to. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
0: 770, the answer. this is AM 1170, The Answer.
1: <laughs> I was like, what the heck is that? This is a PG show, Nick. I didn't know what all that heavy breathing was about. I thought maybe it was Alicia after I worked her over so much. All right, Alicia. Last question for you before we move on to the, Syri- the uh, Syrian refugee crisis. If SCOTUS okay. comes up with, with something um, like my example of complete denial of the Second Amendment, because to me that's uh-huh. a goal. In fact, we had Chief Lands down here in San Diego say they can, they can remove guns from our society in 10 years. So let's say SCOTUS comes up with something like that that's absolutely ridiculous. Do we go along with it just because it's the law of the land?
3: Uh, I'm not an elected official, so no, I would engage in uh, (laughs) my rights as an an individual and as a citizen to, uh, you know, to protest what I thought was a wrong decision. Of course, there'd be a a point, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily want to get thrown in jail. It kind of depends on how bad the principle is. I'd like to say, think that, you know, if if we turned into Nazi Germany, that I would uh, have enough principle to stand up against the government and say, no, that I wasn't going to go along with murdering of people. But uh, it it just really depends on the degree of the the infringement. Because I just think that
1: I think there's two things at play here. A a few things, like I said, I do think that this is about um, a a movement uh, to attack religious freedoms, in particular Christianity. I absolutely think that's what this is about. I think that's why, you know, bakeries have been targeted specifically for that reason, to try to make a point. Um, I also think that we've got a situation I while you say both sides are kind of loose with the law, you know, yeah. um, it, it's interesting because a lot of people don't even realize this woman down there is a Democrat. Um, so, you know, it, it's really the, yeah. demo, the Democrats that are really, you know, not doing their job here. <laughs> and she just because she's a Christian, um, she's the one catching flack for it. There's a there's a um, sheriff, I think, out here somewhere in, in in California, I read, who refused to issue gun licenses to 7,000 um, yeah. and, and yeah, you know, you not a to, peep from anybody.
3: We got forced to by, this, by the federal by the federal courts, though. So I mean, the same thing happened, and I have to tell you too that I'm a, as an attorney, I'm also an officer of the court, and I'm also I've also taken an oath to uphold the law in court. And so there are a lot of things that I do that I don't agree with. I don't agree with the wage laws and, and and the employment laws, and yet I still litigate them. So you know you have to you have to follow the law, and when you're in that capacity, you've got to put on your hat of I'm serving as a public official versus I'm serving in my own private interest.
1: I do uh, you know i I do want to say that and this is not related to Kim Davis when it comes to a government employee though if if she's not, if since she is elected, she can't be fired, but elected official or to me they're still employees, and what I want to feel sure. like is important to to remind people of on Labor Day because as you're out there working and, and on today on Labor Day, by the way, keep in mind that we've got fifty more than fifty percent of people coming here illegally or taking a top off of your labor in one way or another here okay, keep that in mind. Um, speaking of of laws and illegality um, <clears throat> but for me there's no such thing as government money. Everybody who gets a paycheck from the government are being paid by the taxpayers. So right. I really so this this whole thing about her being a government official and a government employee, it, it loses a little bit with me because, you know, they're not really representing the government. They're supposed to be representing us. And she's getting paid by as many Christians as she's getting paid by gay people. And so the the, the uh, people on the left who want to act like, oh, she's supposed to be representing us because SCOTUS ruled in our favor. But you know what? She's being paid by as many Christians who disagree with that SCOTUS decision as she's being paid by your side. So that's just something to keep in mind. Mine. I got to move on from that though because girl I could stay on that all day something else we disagree on I think
4: is <laughs> there's
1: been some <laughs> there's been some confusion as to how many Syrian refugees they are wanting to force on us speaking of illegal immigration and the flouting of laws um, uh, the initial numbers were like something like 8,000 but it's actually upwards of 65,000 people that's a huge no, number.
3: I, I, I'm surprised. that it, I would think it'd be more, actually. I think that Germany's taking on more people than that. And if the Germans are taking on that many people and the the English are taking on that many people, um, you know, I would be surprised if they weren't expecting
1: the Americans to, to take on a significant uh, group of, of refugees in the Middle East. Well, see, I, I see. I'm surprised that we would. Why would we? Why are we taking and we know that of, of uh, many of the Somali refugees that have gone into Minnesota and other areas and this this refugee program, bringing them in under the radar and setting them up around the country, kind of like what Europe did, which basically, you know, caused. you read the book while Europe slept. It's basically been a Muslim takeover of the European continent, Um, at least 10 percent, at least 10 percent coming out of Minnesota, all these homegrown terrorists. They're not homegrown terrorists. These are Islamists that are brought here, 10% at least, Alicia, a radical Islamist, something like 40 something percent of all Muslims in the country say that they think Sharia is a great idea. I think 30 something percent of a poll taken said they actually, you know, uh, agreed with Al-Qaeda. And these are the people that we're bringing here. Geraldo Rivera said himself, and I can't stand Geraldo, but he said it's basically it's basically a religious war being waged over there by all of them are radicals, the Sunni and and the Shia and the this and the that. Why in the world? O'Malley said we're a compassionate people. Yeah, we are compassionate people. And they, and the compassion should start at home first because compassion should not translate into suicide. Because why in the world after September 11th? These are the people that say that they want to destroy Western civilization. That's what that's what um, what the ideology is. That's going on over there. Islam, the very definition of Islam is submission. Why in the world would we want to bring people here that don't want to assimilate, don't want to be American, don't want to live under the Constitution? A huge percentage of them want to do us harm. Why should we bring them here, Alicia?
3: Well, first of all, I think there's a whole lot of assumptions in in that statement that that they want to do us harm, that they don't want to assimilate. You've got people who have walked literally from Syria across Turkey to the Mediterranean Sea uh, and they have tried to, to pile up onto tiny little boats to get to Greece, or they've walked through uh, up through uh, Eastern Europe, trying to get through Hungary over into Europe. And in order to walk that far, you have to be pretty desperate. I mean, these are people who are, are just trying to survive, who are willing to risk their lives, their women and children, I think it's, I have a hard time believing that they're all terrorists. I, I just. I didn't say they were I, I all terrorists. That. I said at least well, 10%. Even a large percentage. Okay, so there's a, there's a difference between agreeing with your culture and being, actually being willing to kill people. And here's an example. In the United States, there's a significant portion of us who believe that it is perfectly good to ha- use violence in order to protect our interests. For example, drones in, uh, in, in, on the Pakistan border. And I think it's the minority of people who feel like that is wrong. And so, you know, if you put that poll and you ask Americans, do you think it's okay to use violence in order to protect American interests? Most people are going to say yes. You can't assume, though, that every American is ready to take up arms and go and kill every Muslim in Pakistan. To say that we, to, to say just that we want true. to
1: protect our interest, is a very different thing from saying you identify with Al Qaeda and you agree with with their game plan. Here, there, um, we when we have five of the wealthiest Muslim countries that are refusing to take in any Syrian refugees because they say that it would open them up to the risk of terrorism. I think they know what they're talking about there in, in regards to that. Um, you know, well, because we, it's
3: we, we've got, a, so we have a human rights crisis where people are. They are flooding uh, into the uh, – as refugees, they're flooding into other countries. They are coming whether you like it or not. America, at least we have an ocean between us that they really kind of prevents us. But, you know, they're, they're flooding into Europe. They're asking for a place to, to stay where they're safe, where they can raise their families and, and whatever. And I have a really hard time – pr- and, and, and this is where I agree with O'Malley about it, just being compassion. I have a really hard time looking at those pictures of, you know, literally toddlers drowned on the shores of islands in Greece, and not having my heart break. How can we say no to these people?
1: Be- and for so, the same you know, reason we have to say no to this. For, this has been my argument when we had all these, you know, um, disease-ridden children show up on the Mexican border. We cannot, as a country, economically afford... There are billions of people in this world, Alicia. Many of them are poor and suffering. Are we going to open up our nation when we are... T- Seventeen trillion dollars in debt and dying. Open up our nation to 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 countless and endless amounts of sixty five thousand here and 100,000 a hundred thousand here. We can't. We first of all, we simply can't afford it. Second of all, um, you know there is an issue with Islam. There is an issue with the ideology. There are many Muslims here in this country. There's different ways to take us over. One is by the sword, and one is by creeping Sharia. We have a we have a problem with Islam in our nation, and we and we do know that a percentage of them are radicalized and radical and want to do us harm. That's how a woman got beheaded at a workplace in, in Oklahoma. We also know that 4,000 terrorists, according to the Islamic State, 4,000 terrorists have already infiltrated and pretending to be a part of the refugee movement so that they can get into Europe, so that they can get to America and do harm. In fact, he says it's part of their caliphate. We have to understand the enemy that we face, and it is radical Islam. And when we can't tell who coming across is is pretending to be a, a downtrodden uh, refugee seeking asylum, and we can't tell how many of them are toddlers. Send all the toddlers. Send all the children. But don't be sending me 20 something year old men here who are claiming that they need asylum. Why aren't they? Why aren't we? But meanwhile, we're not taking any Christians. Meanwhile, we're not taking any Yazidis. Uh, so I, I got a
3: response to this. Okay. first of all, I think that there that it it is tragic that there are so many poor people in the world who can't get in because we have such messed up. Uh, dysfunctional in immigration laws. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that the argument that there's a scarcity of resources has some validity. We obviously can't bankrupt ourselves to help everybody. But, we you know, we talk, you're talking about uh, Christian values here. I mean, even the Pope asked people to ask everybody to open up their doors and sponsor a family and try to help these people. And there's lots of people in the world that need help. And, you know, we can't help anybody, everybody, but if we can help some people, I don't want to be afraid. I don't want uh, fear of the few that are who are wanting to do me harm prevent me from doing the right thing. And so if the right thing is letting in these refugees and giving them, you know, a partial landing. And I was joking with Simon the other day. We should just let them all move into
1: Detroit. I mean, there's tons of empty houses Yeah, but you know what? I really think that, I really think that, that, it's so idealistic, Alicia, to, to not understand the enemy that we face. that is radical Islam, and even the even the. It, it's like Bridget Gabriel said: Are there moderate Muslims? Maybe, but they're irrelevant because they're not doing anything with the problem that is I radical Islam. And though, to in, and country. to import to import more Islamists in, in, into this country is a mistake. And why think, when we have the, we that we have when we over have overestimating the danger though. And that's where I if it's just like, 10 percent of 65, process, if we if it's 65,000, right if it's 65,000, 65, I've got one minute left. If it's 65,000 people and only 5 percent of them are coming here to do us harm, it's too many. It wasn't. It wasn't near that many who took us down and, and did the attack against us on nine eleven. The very definition of Islam is conquest. This is their caliphate. This terrorist from the Islamic State said it is our dream that there should be a caliphate, and not only in Syria but in the entire world. And there was. And, and there was. And let me, I
3: shut it down. I mean, I don't have time
1: to answer. Well, I'll have to answer that question when we come back. I promise I'll get to it. If you feel like a room
0: without a roof, cause I'm happy. Clap along if you
5: feel like happiness is the truth, because off happy. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you, because off happy. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. Here come the news talking this and that.
0: Give me all you got and don't hold back
5: yeah. well, I should probably warn you, I'll be just fine
0: The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer is sponsored by Andrea Kay The Andrea Kay Show on AM 1170, The Answer is sponsored by Andrea Kay Welcome to The Andrea K Show She's blonde, 5 foot 2 and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay.
1: Welcome back to the Andrea K show. This is hour 2, or should I say round 2 of the Andrea K show tonight. We're get, it's getting heated here and I'm just having so much fun because I've got with me tonight the smartest friend of mine, uh, no offense to all my friends out there, but Alicia Dern, legal libertarian analyst, is is uh, in with me tonight. And we were talking before the break about the Syrian refugee crisis, which, you know, I, I, w- I was talking to a friend of mine, Timothy, who I think may, may actually be calling in tonight. And we were talking earlier about why do we all of a sudden have the Syrian crisis? Why is it suddenly a refugee crisis? This situation in Syria has been going on for a while um, wasn't the ISIS Islamic State, wasn't that a JV team? And suddenly what's going on with ISIS is suddenly so bad that we got millions of people leaving. And it's like all of a sudden, what's this about? You know, it, I, I always have to think, and, it, and and I apologize if I sound jaded or heartless, but, you know, I always look at things from a macro level. I'm always realizing that when it comes to politics, it's never about the issue. That's always just the tool, the roost, the carrot that's being dangled. It's really about something bigger. And I've been concerned for a while That we've become a nation that's not understanding who our enemy is, and we've got a government that's been infiltrated, that the left has decided to band together uh, with those who want Sharia because they're very similar in ideology in terms of uh, systems, political systems of, of control. And before the break, we were talking about the refugee crisis, and Alicia Dern asked a very good question. She was like, well, what's the alternative if we don't take in these in these refugees? I mean, do we go and we, we fight over there? Well, we've lost a lot of time, Alicia, and we lost a lot of opportunity that we had to deal with this. Back when Obama said it was a JV team, we could have taken them out. We we actually never should have pulled out of Iraq. We destabilized the area. It's I'm not saying we should have gone into Iraq in the first place, but that was a really bad move to pull out. We have actually had military on the ground there now for a while. We've had boots on the ground. Um, they The rules of engagement um, are such that they're hampered, and they don't really have a, a strategy to really win, and that's a real problem. And the refugees that we could have helped and we didn't were the Christians and the Yazidis that have been uh, beheaded and tortured and raped and, and, and all kinds of stuff going on over there. The only GOP candidate that's actually got a strategy so far to deal with this is Carly Fiorina. And she says that we should be working with these Muslim nations, the, the five wealthiest. There's 57 Muslim nations. Five are, are the wealthiest nations in the world. You've got United Arab Emirates. You've got Bahrain. You've got Qatar, uh, you know, and, and Saudi Arabia. And they're refusing to take any in. She's talking about leadership and where she would go to these countries and she would say, let's work together. in in terms of trying to deal with the situations that we've got over there. Remember, Obama said that we supposedly had this coalition that was helping. They're not doing anything, Alicia. And we need leadership. We should be right now working with these countries and saying, what can we do to help you to understand that you need to take them in because we can't? Instead of immediately saying, oh, you know, it's the same and it's the same rhetoric going on from the left about why we got to take them in is the same rhetoric that has to do with the Mexican border. It's, Oh, you know, we've, we've, um, uh, we've got to look like we're caring about people and we're not, you know, it's like the shame game, Alicia. What, what about, what about Carly Fiorina's (laughs) idea of working with these Muslim nations and getting them to take them in? Well,
3: to, to a large extent, the Muslim nations are actually already overwhelmed with immigrants. So, uh, I'm not an expert on the Middle East. Uh, I know it's a mess, and I know that uh, several of the uh, Arabic countries have huge populations of these immigrants who are undocumented over there, maybe even as much as 50% of their population. And so I think that they're saying they can't take any more in large part because they can't absorb it into their society. Um, Why it suddenly is an issue? I think it's because ISIS has been been getting downplayed by the administration. I think that... um, They wanted to appear successful pulling out of Iraq and that, you know, ISIS was just this thing going on over in countries we don't care about. And in reality, um, the ISIS is a caliphate that is taking over, is burning the swath through several countries in the Middle East Mm -hmm. and wreaking absolute havoc. And now you have millions of people who have physically moved and it just took them a long time to walk from Syria to Europe. And um, but they've done that, and now you can't, we can't ignore it because the Europeans can't ignore it. And when they can't ignore it, then they come to us.
1: Well, Saudi so, Arabia, Qatar, and in those countries have the money, the means. They have the the, the land space. You know, they can certainly take in
3: Qatar is one of the countries that has more than has more than fifty percent of their population as are illegal immigrants from other uh, neighboring nations. So well, I mean, what I, I
1: do what I do know is this: is that um, we can't afford. To take in all the world's uh, poverty stricken and all the anybody who says that they're they are oppressed. And, and, you know, we have I don't know if you know how many uh, Christians um, from Iraq and other countries that are being held here that have been been held for months here that made it here to to San Diego and um, they're being refused asylum. Now, don't tell me that this government doesn't understand the threat that Christians in Iraq and other places over there. That's who's being beheaded yeah, over it, there is not, the Christians. It, it, and they're not getting asylum it. here. So there's a lot of us who are going, hmm, we're going to bring in uh, 65,000 from these areas wh- where there are hardcore Muslims. And, you know, why are we, why are we, you know, here's where I kind of got to agree with Geraldo. And then I want to go to Timothy because he's got a different angle on this. He's on the line. Um, Why we're getting in the middle of it. Even Geraldo's like, you know what, we need to stay out of it. You know, it's it's not really our fight. And I really, I, bottom line, to answer to your question, I agree with Carly Fiorina that we need leadership to deal with these Muslim countries to help them to see that it's their fight and it's their issue and their problem to solve. There are 57 Muslim countries and they all can absorb all of these refugees. But, Timothy, you've got something, another angle, another aspect or perspective to this story, I don't do. you? Good
2: evening, ladies. Hey. Uh, Alicia, you know I love you and you know I'm with you on most of the libertarian issues, but on this one, you're wrong. You're falling into the Takia trap. This is a manufactured crisis. This is not a humanitarian crisis. Angie's exactly correct. The Muslim countries should be absorbing these people, Okay were denying refugee status to the true refugees, the Christians that are being killed, and Obama wants to fly refugees over here. Okay, They're not stopping in Turkey, where they could be absorbed. They're penetrating deep into Europe, Germany, France, Scandinavia. It was only in 1462 when Vlad the Impaler impaled 20,000 Muslims that the invasion of the Balkans, by Mehmet II stopped, okay? What we're dealing here right now is a social invasion. It's the creeping Sharia that's going to come after the people are already there. We already have Stockholm on fire two years ago, two summers ago, by Muslims that won't allow the Swedish police into their neighborhood. We see a in Paris on fire. The gendarmerie will not go in. It's an all Muslim area. These people do not want to assimilate. They do not want to become French, German, Scandinavian, American. They want a global caliphate. Okay. And it started in Munich forty-three years ago yesterday was the Munich uh, attack on eleven and eleven and Israeli the Olympics. athletes and coaches were killed yeah. by the Palestinian Black September terrorists. That ushered in the modern age. Of Islamic terror. It See, is, I actually think
1: I actually think it started since then. I actually think it started with the fall of the Shah in, in Iran. And what did they do immediately? That they, they took Americans hostage and held them for 444 days. And it has been their quest to destroy, you know, the West since then. You know, maybe there's something. I, I do have a heart. Well, you know,
3: it, Islam has been on a quest to destroy it's the infidel since its inception. I mean, right. you, can, you can't deny that's that. True. But you know, I don't know. I just I have a hard time believing that all of these people are coming uh, with with the idea of doing us harm, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think we're going to find out pretty quickly here in Germany right. because they're taking a huge group of them. But let me tell you, I think the reason, the only reason in my, that I think Obama is even entertaining uh, taking refugees is because he's probably getting pressured by the Europeans. I don't think it's because he necessarily wants to bring a bunch of Syrians in. I think he would have ignored them but for uh, our pressure by our allies in Europe. And we do have to keep those relationships good. Well, I think... Absolutely
1: untrue.
2: Absolutely untrue. he has populated every 50 st- uh, one of our states with Muslims. Every single one of them. There are Muslim communities in North Dakota. There are Muslim communities in Alaska. There are Muslim communities in Montana. There are Muslim communities now in every 50 states because Obama has put them there.
1: And there are actually terrorist training camps that he's ref- that he's refusing to investigate. I wanna I want to talk about the idea of harm, though. Can I, can
3: I just ask like, where you're getting this information? Because maybe I just have not seen it. And that's why I'm skeptical because I haven't. You know, I, I hear. I hear these statistics. I see no sources for
1: that. Well, that's a good point. So I think that we need to be able to back up our claims. One source of information for me about what's going on in Europe in terms of why would these 65,000 refugees coming here be any better than the ones that have already taken over Europe? Great book that I read years ago um, called While Europe Slept, and it was written by a gay activist who hated the religious right here in America so bad. He wanted to move to the great holy grail of Scandinavia. No God in their society. um, Same sex marriage. Oh, it was just going to be a wonderland and when he when he got when he when he got there he found out that um so much of Europe had been taken over by these refugees that have been coming there and immigrating with their open border systems and then because these liberal elitists are, you know, so full of themselves, they, they oh, open borders come here but we're going to shove you to outlying areas so we don't have to look at you. Put them on welfare. Let them, you know, um, basically have huge parts of, of Europe taken over now. They're zero assimilation. The harm that was done was when a complete takeover because when they come they don't want to assimilate and what do they want? They want Sharia. And what is... Sharia. It is complete totalitarian system of control. Gay people. He saw gay people literally beaten in the streets. He saw children put in prison for daring to, to, to speak um, uh, and, and exercise freedom of, of speech against Muslims over there. This has been documented um, by Bruce Bauer, great, great book. That's the harm. There's more to harming a society than just whether or not somebody, you know, wants to take a sword and cut your head off. I say that, that it's a far more insidious thing that's going on, which is the takeover from within and the slow creep of Sharia with little by little accommodations. And um, that, to me, is where I see the harm going because we're going down the same path. And, you know, if you there's so many videos out of Europe and out of, London, I'm shocked that London's taken in any of them because their compassion to take them in has led them to where they're at in terms of Sharia and what's happening over there in the States. Timothy, thank you for calling in. I got to leave it there because we got to shift gears because it's Labor Day and we're going to take a quick, quick break and we come back. We're going to shift gears and talk economics because... Um, we got business to talk about. We got the Bellatrix business block coming up. We got labor unemployment numbers to talk about. We got dopey employment laws California's trying to shove on us. We got lots to talk about. So don't change that doll, folks. It's the Andrea K. Show on KCBQ AM 1170. The answer.
0: Conservative Talk, AM 1170, the answer.
1: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help
4: the... Convenient, homestyle recipes, and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too.
0: AM 1170 The Answer and am1170theanswer.com
1: Money, Money. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. I told him, find me find me something with Pitbull. He's like, who? I like that Pitbull. Thank you, Nick. Hey, we're working hard here on Labor Day on the Andrea K. Show. Sitting in with Engineer Nick. Sitting in with my gal, legal libertarian analyst, Alicia Dern, who's a businesswoman as well as a lawyer. And we were talking earlier about law and whether or not, we're, you know, we're obligated to follow every law, even if we disagree with it or think that it's, it's you know, tyrannical. And she was talking about how she doesn't like these work laws. She's a labor law attorney, but you know what? She's got to adhere to laws. And there's some crazy laws coming down, in my opinion, Alicia, coming uh, uh, here in California. And you've got, a, you've got your practice here and in S- St. Louis, Correct. Yes, that's right. Right. So I wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh, AB1017. This is the measure on salary history. This has to do with employers, new regulations. You know, laws are regulations. It's about control. And we've got some uh, new um, regulations for employers about interviews and what questions they can ask. And it's like I said earlier, I think that I believe in an at-will employment situation. I ought to be able to hire who I want. I ought to be able to fire who I want. Um, So much of who you work with is about, you know, personalities and how you think and how you work together. And, you know, there's so much that goes into it. Um right. AB-1017 is the measure on salary history, and, it, and it's it, the goal is to, it just sounds so lovely, the goal is to increase pay equity, and this would um, prevent employers from being able to ask job applicants about their salary history.
3: Yeah, You know what I hear when I hear pay equity? I hear communism. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I mean it's, it's, what is this problem that they're solving? You know? I, I think uh, the people in California earn more money than people in the, most of the rest of the country. You know, I, I just don't see why we need to continue to legislate every minute aspect of the employer-employee uh, relationship. You know, the average small business employer in California spends more than $20,000 a year per employee just to comply with regulations.
1: Oh yeah, and and you know what? I'm surprised that's 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 even sounds a little low to me.
3: It actually goes higher if you start talking about manufacturing and stuff. If you're you're right. manufacturing anything, you got socha and all those laws, then you're talking thirty five thousand dollars per employee.
1: Right. And how and, and and the idea of what they're saying here is that because women historically have a lower uh salary history that, you know, it it by by employers being able to ask about their salary history, it puts them at an unfair disadvantage. Liberalism is so ridiculous because it's all about the false it's, notion it's, it's, that it's, they it's, can, it's can create the outcomes. It's about That's just tr- an assumption. do we have, have do we have
3: any actual data that shows that this is a, a distinguishing factor that causes women to uh, earn less than men? I mean, there's a first of all, it's a fallacy that men, women and men earn less when when really compared um, apples to apples on on the job duties and experience and all that. But even that being said, it's just an assumption that if you put a salary history down, that uh, that somehow is going to cause women to earn less over uh, over time. An employer is going to pay the same amount for the same job in most situations.
1: Right. They have like a range. Like when I was hiring people and interviewing people, and I had to be able to ask anything I want to ask, okay? I mean, within reason. You know what I mean? I feel like I ought to be able to find out whether or not somebody's married or thinking about starting a family at some point because that absolutely affects, you know, depending on what the job is. Some jobs, it doesn't affect anything. Some it does. Um, You know, but, you know, um, I think that this is – about what it's always about It's about control And they You know There's You, you don't have to have You say it reminds you Of communism People would say Oh well no Alicia They're not getting The pink slip of the business They're not really controlling The means of production Well if you control Every aspect through regulations What's yeah. the difference It's the right. same thing <laughs> This, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah I mean this is what They're trying to do It's The liberalism is about The false notion That they can create outcomes It's the unequal treatment Of people Under the phony guise Of trying to, to, to Come up with equality There are no two equal candidates. You could even have two brand-new college graduates come out of the same school with the same major, and they would not be equal candidates. One might have different, you know, extracurricular activities. One might have a better personality. One might have, you know, there's no two people that are equal. And all we can do is provide equal opportunities for people out there. And even then, oh, and then another one that there, another law is um, that you're not going to be able to pass. And these have passed, by the way. Um, These They're still up for the assembly for consideration, but they passed the first round. The other one is, the other measure is that it would ban employers from asking whether or not a job seeker is employed. That, I have every right. Yeah. If I'm interviewing, I want to know somebody's work history, and I definitely want to know what gaps are there, and I want to know why. And you know what? There's oftentimes really legitimate answers for why there's a gap, but these are this right. is about getting to know somebody and getting to know what their history is and why they've got a gap. If you can't answer that, you better be able I, to answer
3: and it. I, I, I know why they're trying to do that, because statistically, somebody who is unemployed has a harder time finding employment than somebody who's looking for a job while they're currently Um, employed. And it's just a psychological thing. But, you know, again, it's okay. I understand, it, but you can't you can't legislate every problem in the world. You just create so much burden. And you're right. The employer needs to be able to ask questions. And and what's going to happen? You know, people are going to interview. They're going to have no idea that these laws exist. They're just going to be some, you know, small business. People who who don't have JDs and don't spend 12 years learning wage while well, I guess, you, you know, and just have no idea that, these, that the questions they're asking are illegal until they get sued. And that's just not
1: fair. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I get that we've got we've got a chronic unemployment situation here in the country. Um, you don't solve that problem by... Making where employers can't ask reasonable questions and make good no. hires for themselves, you know, no. it, it puts a burden on the employers. It, it's about California- finding a match. It's a, it's like dating. And interviewing is like dating. You're trying to find the right match for you. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to marry somebody, it doesn't mean that something's wrong with them, and it doesn't mean you're a bad employer. It's nonsense. California
3: doesn't want to do what they're supposed to do, though. That will create jobs, which is the back on taxes and regulations so that businesses can grow. They don't want to do that. So instead it's just gonna to try to shove legislation down our throats as business owners to try to get you to hire people in the way that they see fit. And really what what's gonna happen is that business are gonna to continue to leave California it's it's the more it's just like death by a million paper cuts. <laughs>
1: One paper cut's bad enough it's just painful, but you're right, and you look at the unemployment numbers have come out they're trying to tell us that oh oh look unemployment's only it's it's back down at five point one percent well no it's not that's a lie they're not including people that are completely out of the workforce. We have ninety four million Americans that are not in the labor force. We only have three hundred million of us here. Add 65,000 refugees that are coming, but, I mean, 94 million out of the workforce. What we really have, great article here on DCClothesline.com, it says if you want to know the truth about unemployment. And basically what he says is if honest numbers were being used, we would actually have an unemployment rate of 22.9% in this country. And and it's yeah. even higher when we're talking about minority communities. And that's one reason why African-Americans and others are saying, wait a second, we got to stop this flood of illegal immigration because they are taking our, you know, these are our jobs for entry level people. These are our jobs for our high schoolers. These are our people for uh, jobs for people that can't afford to go to college. And the solution is to not that, like you said, it's not break the backs of the employers and, and, and refuse to let them answer, ask good questions. What they need to do is unleash our economy. Get the government off of the backs of the employers, and um, we also need to. What happened to that TPP, Alicia? That Trans-Pacific Partnership deal? We were supposedly going to find out all about it once the authority was given to Obama, and okay. you know, we, you and I both know because we've talked about that at length what that's going to do, um, you know, to uh, to um, the workforce here. Well,
3: that plus China devaluing their dollar. I mean, we're just going to continue to see manufacturing jobs be out-competed uh, for uh, for big businesses going to be out competed um, in other countries, we're going to continue to have a, a major trade deficit where we're importing far more than we're exporting, and that's just going to continue mm-hmm. to lead us towards down the path of low and underemployment. It's really sad because America should be very industrious. We have an industrious culture, industrious people, excellent education, we're all, the best universities in the world are all here, mm-hmm. and yet we are we can't compete and it's because our government is ch- has a chokehold on
1: business. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well in and and the chokehold got even tighter today, Alicia. I don't know if you heard President Obama's uh, little Labor Day speech where he comes out. Um, I don't know where he was in Martha's Vineyard, if he was still up with his with his selfie stick. I got an idea for him with that <laughs> selfie stick in Alaska, Alicia. But anyway, so he, he comes out today and he says, um, he doesn't mention anything here it is Labor Day, talking about work, right? He doesn't mention the life-threatening work of our nation's police officers and the risk they take every day. We've had, what, nine or ten killed in as many days. Uh, no, he didn't talk about that doesn't mention that at all no he announced that he's done an executive order mr. unlawful himself his executive order is uh, to decree um, that uh, all federal contractors are required to offer at least five days of uh, sick leave per year now I think that that if I that's you know
3: by the way that's following California California passed a law it's similar to this although it's not just federal contractors it's all employers in California
1: Well, you know, again, do I think that employers should offer a great benefits package in order to be able to attract great employees? Yeah. But, you know, they're not but part of the problem that we have when we have a glut of people out of work and people looking for work is they don't have to compete. You know, we get more jobs, we unleash the economy, and we get more, you know, companies created, and we unleash, you know, the private sector and entrepreneurs, then they're going to have to compete for great labor, and then they're going to offer more benefits package. Uh, The left, all they ever have, Alicia, is more and more regulations and control they never do right. anything to ha- and, and it and they only end up they always end up hurting the very people that they pretend that they care about yeah. and that that you, you know you-
3: as an employer I, I really have great employees and i i want to be as generous with them as i can possibly afford but i hate this idea that that i am like their parent you know because i'm not right i did not need to provide for every contingency in their life
1: well, you know what? I think what's coming next, and then we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have the Bellatrix business block because uh, we got a great lady with a great idea talking about, uh, you know, interesting ideas to help expand uh, everybody. Uh, but i tell you what's coming next for ladies. Next comes the to where we're going to have to provide Prada handbags and purses to all the underprivileged right women. Prada. Okay, right? <laughs> Because otherwise, they can't get a job like all the rich women. Hey, don't change that doll, folks. It's the Andrea K. Show right here on AM
5: 1170 KCBQ. They never give you,
0: it's to drive you crazy if you let it. to for service
1: and devotion. You think that I would a this is AM
0: 1170, The Answer.
4: Convenient, homestyle recipes, and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too.
0: Do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today 877-749-3533.
5: Go,
1: Welcome back to the Andrea Kay Show. Go, gonna, Nick's playing some good workday songs. It's Labor Day here on the Andrea Kay Show, and we've had a great time so far. I'm glad to shift from some of the hot-button topics like uh, the Syrian refugees and Kim Davis and talk, to, talk about something more fun. One of the things that I love, love, love so much is entrepreneurs. I love people out there. We were talking about um, unleashing the power of entrepreneurs um before the break that's really what we need to do as as a country because Americans are so industrious anybody who's ever seen one episode of shark tank you know that Americans still we we're so f- far more innovative than any other culture in any other country um around the world and um San Diego a lot of people don't know they don't they they don't realize that um San Diego is more than just uh, a little beach town um people think we're just like surfers and you know that we we don't we don't innovate here they don't understand that in that in addition to you know being what do you call it for the people who make beer that we're the like the number one town for, the craft brewery yeah, we're the craft brewery town uh, of the nation we're also the biotech hub uh, of um the world pretty much here in San Diego. We have a lot of amazing entrepreneurs, a lot of great technology here and um we had the privilege yesterday or a couple days ago, uh, Alicia and I did, of talking to an amazing lady uh, from the Savvy Group I- I here in San Diego. In fact, Alicia, I'm going to let you describe who Gina is and then uh, kick off our interview with Alicia, with um, hey. Gina.
3: Hey, so uh, we interviewed Gina Mammoth anderson who's the CEO of the Savvy Group, and she's got this uh, very interesting uh, product where she uh, helps businesses realize cost savings through uh, through auditing and, uh, and uh, supply chain management and all that stuff. But she what she does is she goes in there and she uh, helps them find these savings, and a portion of that is given to uh, improving the employees and a portion of it is given to nonprofits or a charity of their choice. And so it's uh, conscious capitalism, and it's, uh, it results in win-wins for everybody, it's just returns all around just through better management. As her her, uh, her story is fascinating. She's got a uh, initiative right now for a uh, million dollars in savings that uh, she's hopefully going to be able to get from some CEOs and uh, get going with the, the charities.
1: It was so fun to meet her. She is an amazing gal, and I'm excited that you guys get to hear a little bit about what she's doing. This is the abbreviated interview with her, though. Uh, Alicia, where can they hear the full interview? You are going to have it up on your website soon?
3: I am. It's going to be up on my website next week at BellatrixLaw.com. All right. Hi, this is Alicia Dern, and I'd like to introduce you to Gina Maness-Anderson, who's my guest. She is the CEO of the Savvy Group. Uh, did I say that right? Is it Savvy Group or Savvy?
7: You did. You did.
3: Okay, All right. Good. Um, and uh, we. I, I'm very happy to have you here. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, your new, um, well, your new Pinpoint program. So could you tell us a little bit about uh, Pinpoint, find it, and share it uh, for our audience and let us know what you're up to.
7: Thank you so much. And I appreciate your interest because I really had to create and innovate to get this program launched. There's been many, many years of corporate America where I've witnessed companies trying to Utilize their profits, but not really having purpose behind it. And the mission and vision of the company really just went in the lobby. It was on a frame on the wall. So we co-branded with a gentleman named Mark Nielsen the Pinpoint Find It, Share It program. So corporations could really rally their employees around the idea that we could be better. We could be smarter about how we're spending our money. And in doing so, how would we want to share that? How would we want to reinvest in our people and our social good? What matters to us? How do we bring a new culture? So that's really where the program came from, is just taking what I used to see as wasted capital that was not really building the brand value or growing the company in a way that we're seeing today.
3: You uh, you started the Savvy Group in 2010. Correct. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. At the height of our our booming economy. Right. <laughs> I know. Uh,
1: <laughs> um, that's kind of like skydiving. That's that's pretty gutsy.
7: <laughs> I don't skydive either. Uh, you know. It's it's interesting. You know, Actually, people were more willing to hear of some new idea, but it was not yet really the whole conscious capitalism movement hadn't really right. taken hold so right. I was getting more conversations but not really the impact and that's what we're really going for with this right. program.
3: so, that, so you, you kind of anticipated a couple of my questions. Uh, one is uh, so the smart spending um, idea that you that you have I, I could see that that would have been attractive to people as they had to tighten their belts. Can you explain a little bit of, of what value you provide to the businesses and, and how you're helping them?
7: Thank you. Yeah. One of the things I think what came out of the acronym SMART was we as an organization, as a company, we're in the cost recovery business. But a lot of people are in the cost recovery business. And it's a lot of noise out there where business owners and leaders, entrepreneurs are just getting pummeled with, oh, I can save you money. I can do this. I can do that. But the industry wasn't organized. So we put our arms around the industry and organized it so the CFO, CEO, the senior level leadership would know – Where should I go for the best relationship with my vendors and suppliers? Where should I go for the best pricing? What is the best pricing? What do my people need in order to work well with that vendor and supplier so our customers are happy? So we kind of shifted the paradigm. And what we are able to do with smart spending solutions is give them the business intelligence of what the vendor really truly wants in a customer and they want profits, and they want a relationship. But I source and deploy subject matter expert that used to work for the vendors and suppliers. That almost sounds military. She sources and deploys, (laughs) like special ops. Well, I am am chief project manager, so I have to be very organized. Uh, But when we do this, we're bringing the outside intelligence of how the subject matter experts who used to work for the the vendors and suppliers, now they can transfer that knowledge inside of a company. So we say right. we're resultants. We actually produce results based on the buy side intelligence. And I know those are a lot of words, but if you, if you make it really simple, a company really wants to be a good steward of their profits. Otherwise, why are they in business? Right. But right. We, we try to go in first and say, you know, Simon Sinek, the why, the what, and the well, how. The why, the what, or
1: the what? The why, the what, money. and the okay. how. Mm-hmm.
3: So, so saving money. I, I love saving money in a business because, um, you know, not because I'm cheap. <laughs> know, you know, maybe <laughs> Nothing wrong with
1: that, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: but you know, I love saving money in the business because it actually costs you less to save a dollar than it costs you to earn a dollar. And when yeah. you earn a dollar, you have to pay taxes on it. You have to, you know, collect it and, and, and go and get the customer and all of that. And so, cutting cutting the cost, especially if uh through efficiencies, is a brilliant way. To, to help your business continue to grow, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, love, I love that idea. Um, and, you know, but I'd like to talk a little bit about, uh, well, I understand that you actually don't take a fee for this up front, that you, um, uh, you do the work and then you end up giving the check to the company at the end.
7: Yeah, so I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit further. There's There's a couple ways that the check or the, it's called pinpoint, find it, share it. Mm-hmm. So, the first step is we've got to find a company that knows, you know, they're probably pretty good at managing their money and how their relationships are with the vendors. But again, when we go in and they let us look, they have to let us look. If they're not there, then they're not, right. they're going to just get in their way. Right. But if they come in right. and let us look, we will find money in their overhead and expenses, not just 50 cents on a rate sheet. This is looking at systems. And again, why are you doing right. this? What value do you, you feel this vendor and supplier is bringing? And then we unpack that on the inside before we even talk to the vendors and suppliers. Cause we got to know what matters to the people mm-hmm. and their customers or mm-hmm. their right. pain points. What's going on? When's the last conversation? There's a lot of, you know, uh, information we try to get on the forefront. And then we dig right. in a little bit to find where are the, You know, we're turning over pebbles. They might be turning over stoves, but we're looking under pebbles. Make them more efficient. And once we find that money, we ask them, this is newfound money. How would you like to take a portion of this newfound money and reinvest in your people and social good? And oh, by the way, the Pinpoint program also shares a portion of our pay on performance model to your charity foundation, cause or reinvestment into your human capital. You tell us. Mm -hmm. So we're sustainably funding how a company can reinvest in their people and social good. Mm -hmm. So that's what the definition of conscious capitalism is. Well, the definition, I I will leave to John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods, and Kip Tidsdale, uh, the CEO of Container Container Store, uh, and Raj, who wrote a great book for your listeners, Firms of Endearment. Ah, I love that name. If if anyone hasn't read that, or you're in a financial capacity, Firms of Endearment, this gentleman, Raj, is brilliant. And what he did, and it's a 15-year study, they went back and they compared firms of endearment companies like Tom's and a few of those that have the conscious capitalist mindset. And they have been tracking them and they found that they outperformed cumulatively 14 to 1. Wow. And it's continuing yeah. to grow. It's just staggering. But, so yeah, don't trust my data, message. but trust their – I mean, trust my yeah. data for you know the <laughs> purpose of this conversation, but go look at – Mm -hmm. just Google firms of endearment and you can see all the data and the research and that's where we want to get a company to go.
3: Well it it, doesn't surprise me at all because um, you know everything that I've read about how people operate best in companies is that they have to be purpose driven actually more so than than money driven. You know once people uh, reach a certain level of income their performance actually drops off the more money that you pay them because the pressure becomes too great and it's you know, money is this abstract, and we're all social beings, you know. So I, I find this idea of conscious capitalism to be really fascinating. I do think it's a trend that is driven somewhat by the rise in women entrepreneurs. You know, women are starting businesses at the rate of one and a half times uh, as men. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that's a, a great idea to marry that. And, and just for the sake of our audience, if you could explain a little bit how – pinpoint really uh, is conscious capitalism. It's not just finding cost savings at no, you know, and no cost to the business that you're serving, but that you're doing something beyond that.
7: Yeah. And again, that's why we do a performance based model, because we're so sure that we're going to help you be smarter about how you're spending the money and we're going to find capital that we're going to help you reinvest that in your culture and how community views you. We know statistically that customers are changing the game. This is a new era of business that we're in. Mm-hmm. And if you're putting profits first, yeah, companies will still survive. But if you want to thrive and flourish, then you want to look at conscious capitalism in the book that John Mackey wrote and Firms of Endearment. Uh, these, these are statistic fact base where you then profits is in the conversation. It's mm-hmm. there. It's in the pillars for which you stand. But you want to look at purpose, people, passion. Planet and profits. That's what's right. game changing about this concept. And that's why Pinpoint, Find It, Share It is a program that the companies can adopt so that they have a vision on what they're going to do. And that's going to impact customers, that's going to impact growing their company.
1: You know what, Alicia, I absolutely loved uh, Gina and everything that she stood for. You know, um, am I a hardcore capitalist gal? Yeah, I got to I switched from political science major. I switched to business because, you know, I love business. I love it as Mm -hmm. much as I love politics. And I understand that, you know, um, business, entrepreneurs Even our large corporations started as a small business. They are the lifeblood of this American economy. And they're, which is the lifeblood of, there is no government money. It all has to come from taxpayers, which means it starts with the business owner. And, you know, the businesses that are conscious, like she describes, um, about people, about purpose, about the planet, about, you know, those are the ones that are going to be successful. And I love what she's doing and I encourage everybody to hear the rest of the interview on Alicia's website because she gives a specific example involving Ulta. You guys may not know what Ulta is, but we ladies do. It's a fantastic um, makeup store and she really did something wonderful with them. So you can hear more about that and what she's got to say. And I know I've got a lot of business listeners, business owners who listen to the show and I think that they're just going to love what she's about. And we're hoping we're going to get some businesses that are going to participate. Right, Alicia?
3: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so come to com to uh, listen to the rest of uh, the interview about the Pinpoint program. And if you're a CEO who's interested in joining, uh, you can get the information on how to uh, contact her and uh,
1: apply. Awesome. Um, I hate to shift gears to a negative story after that because I just had such the warm and fuzzies talking to Gina and learning about her program there and, and how exciting it is. But, you know, it's it's Labor Day and we got to talk about work and we got to talk about those who ain't doing a good job. Uh, Gina's working with companies and wants to work with companies with this initiative that are doing a good job. I tell you who's not doing a good job, Alicia, it's the VA. Uh, we've known nope. for a while you, you know you we've known for a while they weren't doing a good job. I mean most government agencies don't i mean it's it's not their money, so you know every government agency is full of waste and inefficiencies and unproduct- you know they're unproductive yeah um but we're dealing with lives here with the v a it's now yeah. reported that after a whistleblower blew the whistle back about people wait times and vets you know not getting service that they need um 300,000 vets died, Alicia, while waiting for health care at the VA. And this is, this, is, this is workplace violence. That was terrorism, what happened at Fort Hood. This is workplace violence. This is violence against our heroes, Alicia, because they left waiting. Some of them up to two decades waited for treatment, and they died. And there is absolutely no excuse for this. And this is one of the reasons why some people are saying refugees, we're going to bring them here. We're not taking care of our own people. We're not doing, you know, we should be able to do both, but, but we're not. And um, they've got this new acting inspector general who says, you know, oh, gee, the master of the duh here. We have not effectively managed business processes, blah, 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 blah. Do your dang job. You know, they, it, these, the same people saying they have data limitations, keeping them from being able to deal with applications. This is the same government that, that wants to run our own health care. If, if 300,000 vets have died at the VA, and yet they want to, they want to do health care and be in charge of health care for 300 million Americans, are you kidding me? And what's been the response from the Republicans, uh, Alicia? Uh, Two senators, one Republican, one Democrat, who are the chairman and the the senior Democrat of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, issued a joint statement. That's what they did, Alicia. They said that they pointed to the fact that the report says it's been there's a significant failure by the leaders and, you know, that there's been deficient oversight. Okay, well. That ought to fix a problem, right? They they've issued this statement. Oh, oh, they even got they urged. Okay, it gets better, Alicia. These lawmakers urged the VA to implement better reports and 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 give recommendations quickly to improve the record keeping. Well, as long as they urged, Alicia, we can be sure that they fixed the problem, right? I mean, this is this is ghastly. Yeah,
3: you know, uh, and. <laughs> It just goes to show you when when you don't have competition and you don't have the ability to fire people, they just don't do their jobs. And then when they are put under, under scrutiny, they, they pass the buck. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's unfortunately to the suffering of our uh, our brave men and women, many of whom uh, have been injured or have illnesses or who are dependent upon uh, the benefits that they were promised when mm-hmm. they enlisted. They were promised these benefits, and the fact that we're not providing this to them is just. Abhorrent and shameful. And it, it's because the government is always inefficient. Uh, but we should be demanding better. If we're going to pay for it
1: as taxpayers, we should be demanding better for our vets. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I would like to see some of those officials in the VA hospital spend some time behind bars because this is really criminal. Absolutely criminal what's being done to our veterans. I tell you what was also criminal and who's facing criminal charges. This is actually a good news story for me. I mean, it was tragic uh, that it happened, but Bo Bergdahl, I'm not sure if you heard about uh, the charges... Uh, Alicia prosecutors um, there was a question about whether or not he was actually going to be charged with desertion or not he was Alicia but he here's what's interesting he not only was charged with desertion but he was also charged with something rarely used something called article 99 he was charged with um, misdemeanor before the enemy it's very rare Um, the reason why they did this is because it it has a potentially even uh, stiffer penalties for this it's in fact it's never been charged. Um, he says, um, well, that's not true. It hasn't been charged. It hasn't been charged since since World War II, in which I think there was like 500 cases of it. So it hasn't been charged since then. Um, he says, so it's not something you find every day. But basically the reason why he's been charged with that is, uh, that they allege that he not only left his unit and, des- and as a deserter, but that by doing so, he deliberately, his actions deliberately put his fellow so- soldiers into harm's way, having to search for him. Now, the Pentagon has come out and said that there wasn't any evidence anybody actually died searching for him. We know that's <laughs> not true. We know they did. So, you know, it's, it, it, and there's been no response from Obama. Now, this is the guy, Alicia, that they had a rose garden ceremony. No mention. And they didn't call Steinley's family after she was shot in the face by an illegal. They haven't called any of the families of the police officers killed. But they have a Rose Garden ceremony where the dad comes out speaking in Arabic to honor this deserter. And he hasn't made any, Obama hasn't made any mention uh, of it. He didn't come out and say, oops, you know, I guess I blew it. No, this is who he honored. That's, that, is, this is, that, that is as bad to me as the 300,000 vets who died. Because to me, that is Obama siding with the enemy and a traitor. This man was a traitor, and he knew it at the time he had that Rose Garden ceremony, and he did it to justify giving doing this trade and giving five Taliban uh, commanders back. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. ghastly.
3: Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't have strong opinions on Bergdahl because I've, I've heard different uh, different stories, of, but I but I, I I am completely outraged by the VA because regardless of you know what L. Obama's opinion is of our soldiers that he puts into harm's way, as a country, we, we have to acknowledge the great sacrifices that the military makes um, for our freedom and for, um, fighting wars, even if they don't agree with them. Because remember, they take that oath of office, and they're out there putting their lives in danger, at risk, even for things that they don't necessarily agree with, For commander-in-chief they might not necessarily agree with. We have to treat them better.
1: That, oh, absolutely. They are our heroes. My heroes are not some sports figure, even though I love the NFL. And I can't wait. We've got, we've got uh, the kickoff of the regular season coming. I'm going to be doing the NFL report every week here on the show. But, but they're still not my heroes. My heroes wear the uniform of the U.S. military. And they also wear the police officers' uniforms because they put themselves in harm's way, too. And right now they are under attack. And all lives matter. And blue lives matter. Uh, we had um, a really bad weekend of violence in Chicago. Don't have time to get into that. Where's the Black Lives Matter movement on that? Where's the Black Lives Matter movement on Planned Parenthood? Um, I'm actually going to be at an event here in uh, San Diego. It's this Thursday. If you're in town and you want to come, it's the support um, Support Life. It's the San Diego, California, Pro-Life Pack Reception. It's this Thursday from 7 to 9 in La Mesa. Contact me if you want information. If you're in San uh, San Diego want to go, I'm going to be emceeing the event. Father Frank Frank Pavone is going to be there. He's partners with um, Alveda King at Priest for Life. And some other dignitaries will be there. I'm not a dignitary. Uh, Young Young Duncan's going to be there and other people. So contact me if you want um, tickets or you want to go. Or if you want to sponsor a student for $10. I wanted to wrap with a feel-good story. There was a teen who volunteered to guard a police officer when she was pumping gas the other day. And it was just the sweetest thing ever. Feel-good story for me is getting to spend two hours with Alicia Dern, legal libertarian analyst, who is amazing. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Nick, for sitting in tonight for Todd, DJ Carrot Sticks. Todd, if you're listening, miss you. Love all of you out there on Facebook. Alicia's on Facebook as well. I'm on Twitter. She's on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at Andrea K. Show. Hers is just Alicia Dern. Look for the full interview for the Bellatrix business block on her website. It's Bellatrixlaw.com. And let's keep the conversation rolling all week. Every Monday, I'll be back, though, with Alicia next Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific time, right here on AM 1170. The answer. Don't hold it back. Yeah. Well, I
0: should probably you, I'll be just fine. Andrea Kaye Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea Kaye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn